Welcome to Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders. Each episode, LRB Health's Keith Figlioli will talk to the healthcare insiders who are helping to fundamentally transform our healthcare industry. Welcome to the Healthcare is Hard podcast. This is Keith Figlioli of LRB Health. I'm excited to intro our latest episode of the podcast which we actually did live on stage this past week at the Digital Health Innovation Summit here in Boston. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We had a number of people in the audience um, and we had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Kevin Tabb of the newly merged uh, Beth Israel Leahy Health, uh, which is actually now the second largest health system here in Massachusetts. Uh, Kevin has a really uh, interesting background from his military service in Israel to his time at Stanford as their chief medical officer to his recent leadership role here at Beth Israel Leahy Health, where he helped manage the merger of those two entities, uh, which now employs, I think, over 35,000 employees here in Massachusetts. We hope everyone enjoys the episode uh, and look forward to hearing some feedback, as we always do from the episodes. Um, But before we jump into the episode, I also wanted to talk about some changes to the podcast for season two. We're actually in the process of switching production companies So expect to see some exciting new changes uh, and even potentially a new co-host for uh, the podcast in 2020. We have also have uh, an incredible lineup, uh, which did a couple of recordings over the last couple of weeks. Um, So I think people are going to be really excited about uh, the people that we're bringing uh, to the episodes. So stay tuned. Enjoy this episode of the Healthcare is Hard podcast. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. And... um, uh you know, Kevin and I are pretty excited to have sort of a, a little bit of an intimate discussion in front of 200 people, so we'll try to make it as intimate as possible. Um, for anybody that, that listens to our ongoing podcast, what, what we try to do, which hopefully is a little bit different, is bring people like Kevin, CEOs of some of the largest healthcare systems and largest payers uh, around the country every single month to sort of more intimate dialogue. Uh, and this is the start of that. So, Kevin, welcome. Great. Thanks very much for having me. Glad to be here. And I, I always start the same way, which is, um, you know, tell us, uh, you know, we talked a little bit in, this morning, tell us a little bit how you got into this. I think everybody kind of goes, oh, these CEOs, these systems, they've had this whole plan, they've had this whole approach to thinking about that. So how, how did you even get into this role? Yeah, well, I, I always like to say that I have this sort of weird, eclectic background. Um, eclectic is probably a kind word for it. You know, uh, I never imagined I'd be doing what I, I, I'm doing now. I... Um, uh, I grew up in this country, but I, I left home at 17, moved to Israel, and uh, didn't go to college. I, I, I went into the military there and was uh, trained as a medic, and that's actually how I fell into medicine. And then when I finished my service, uh, uh, I went to medical school uh, and then did a residency um, in internal medicine, but uh, got really interested in uh, informatics, didn't even know the term informatics at the time, but um, I developed a piece of software that's uh, being used there to this day. and. When I finished, uh, I had this idea in my head that uh, would come back to this country and go to a startup, and I think I thought we'd make a gazillion dollars in two years. That was about two months before the bubble burst in the te- big uh, first uh, uh, tech uh, bubble. So I uh, came to a company called Medicologic Medscape, a uh, great company, great product. Um, at one point had a market cap well north of a billion dollars, but not a penny in profit, and then not connected to my coming there, w- uh, crashed into bankruptcy about three months after I got there. So um, Timing is everything. <laughs> so then uh, ended up, uh, GE ended up uh, acquiring the, the assets out of bankruptcy court, work, worked for 
for Jeff Himmel, uh, who ran GE Medical at the time. And then, and then I was at Stanford for a bunch of years. And then about eight years ago, uh, came out to Boston uh, and have been running uh, what was the Beth Israel Deaconess system here in Eastern Massachusetts. And now, uh, for the last nine months or so, a new healthcare system uh, called Beth Israel Lehi Health. Great. And, that, and so that uh, merger of those two entities happened just about a, under a year ago, I think? Right. That it went in March. In March. And yeah. so give us, give us a little flavor of, of, of the footprint. I think, again, a lot of people think, ah, it's a health, health system. And what I always try to counsel everybody on is a health system, when you've seen one, you've seen one. And so it'd be great to sort of understand exactly the footprint now. I, I think you're right. You've seen one health system. You've seen one health system. And especially uh, in Massachusetts, New England, I think we, and I say we now that I've been here eight years, uh, we, we tend to think of ourselves as different. But uh, we brought together a host of different organizations to uh, create um, one of the two largest uh, healthcare systems in New England uh, with uh, about 13 hospitals and 35,000 employees, um, and we serve, you know, well north of a million patients throughout eastern Massachusetts. Uh, so it's, um, it's been tremendously interesting, and we're really excited about where, uh, where it will go. But it's brand new. Right. And so then if you pan back, and so I don't know what it was, I think it was 42% of the people are here from Massachusetts, so maybe we'll talk about the Massachusetts market first. And then I saw a few folks from California. We won't talk about Jersey even though you called somebody out. Um, but sort of compare and contrast sort of the Massachusetts market. So I think the other thing that a lot of people sort of gloss over sometimes is not only the dynamics of what a health system is or what a payer is, but the uniqueness of each one of the markets. So if you can talk about Massachusetts, then compare that to sort of your time at Stanford and the California market. Yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating how radically different the markets are. Um, so let's start with... Uh, I don't think I ever wore a suit at Stanford, and you know I don't go a day without it here. So New England is different. But beyond that, um, uh, spending so much time uh, at Stanford in Silicon Valley, phenomenal place, prides itself on being cutting edge, uh, leading in all things related to tech. That's only partially true. The truth is that, as it relates to healthcare, Boston, Cambridge. Eastern Massachusetts, this is the Mecca. We are, in fact, here, really, the Silicon Valley for healthcare. And that's because we've got unbelievable uh, provider organizations, uh, really uh, the best in the world, and a concentration of them that's unrivaled anywhere else. That's because we've got unbelievable universities, so it's the talent and the concentration of talent that's here. It's the combination of uh, biotech that's here, uh, and I think increasingly digital health. It's all right here, more so, I would say, uh, than in Silicon Valley. So that, to me, is what's tremendously exciting about this place at this point in time. How do you think about the policy drivers here? Obviously, uh, Governor Baker, um, who's actually up on the stage a couple of years back, talking about some of this. Does that influence this as well? Um, you know, we're, we're painted right or wrong with a standard deviation or two ahead of everybody when it comes to value-based care or the thinking on that. I'm curious how you think about that. Well, I think, uh, first of all, we have a governor, uh, there's no other governor in the country that knows as much about healthcare as Governor Baker does. Um, and uh, he both, you know, ran uh, an insurance company, but also uh, 
invested in and uh, sat on boards of a, a bunch of health tech companies. So he knows more than anybody else out, he, out there. And it definitely, I think, affects the environment and affects uh, policy here. Um, it's also true that we, I think, are on the leading edge of a couple of things here. We're on the leading edge of providing great care. We're also on the leading edge of being really, really expensive here. Um, so Massachusetts, depending on how you define it, uh, is the second or third most expensive state in the country uh, for provision of healthcare. Uh, it's actually second because uh, first is Alaska, second is DC, DC is not a state. So I guess uh, we're, we're right up there. And that has a, an effect on how we all think about what we need to do to change that. And so do you, when you step back, you think about the system, the market reaction, and then sort of folks that are in the market or probably know the name, sort of equal footing potentially, getting to be equal footing with the other big player partners, which is now I think going to be called Mass General Brigham. I think they're taking a cue off your name. Um, but I'm curious how you think about how the market's reacted to what you have done. And, you know, everybody has been so polarized in this market about partners, partners, partners. Now does it sort of give you an equal footing given the, the merger? Well, I, th I think that potentially it does for sure. Um, this is a market that has had a single large player for a very long time that provides phenomenal care just like the rest of us. Um, but I think uh, we heard really clearly uh, that there was a desire, a desire out there in the market by patients, by payers, by large employers, for there to be a large viable alternative to that single large player. And um, I think we're already seeing uh, a pretty significant effect in this market. The very fact that you have real competition out there ultimately is going to benefit all of us. More importantly, I think it's going to benefit patients, though. And so we actually know each other before we had this uh, back and forth the last couple of months setting this up. Most folks I do know and have a little history. So I did a little research, um, which was fun. Um, and when you sort of what I heard or, or what I took away from some of that research was that you're a very strategic thinker. You're one of the, the people in the country that can understand healthcare system dynamics and understand sort of where a point a system within all that. When you step back, and this will take us down a track which ties into innovation as well, and you think about the market dynamics and what we talk a lot about at LRV with our strategic members about what a next generation healthcare system should look like, what capabilities it needs to be. I'm curious, given some of the research I did, how you think about that, and you don't have to reveal all the secrets in your strategy, but it would be great to unpack some of it. Yeah, so, um, you know, first of all, there's, I think everybody here knows there's a wave of mergers and consolidation across the country and in this market. And uh, there are some folks out there, uh, for instance, Toby Cosgrove, who is predicting that there'll be, I don't know, somewhere to, between five and ten healthcare systems left in the entire country in five to ten years' time. That might be a little bit of a stretch. I don't know that we're going to go down to five from 5,000 hospitals. But we are certainly seeing a huge wave of, of this consolidation. And the question that I ask myself, I ask my team, I ask our own organization is, why are we doing this? What, what do we hope to get out of this? And if the answer were solely to be, you know, we hope we're more efficient, we hope we generate better margins, then that would be a huge disappointment to me. Because it's true that we do need to be more efficient. It's true that we need to generate more margins, 
but that's for a purpose. So we're a nonprofit, as many uh, healthcare organizations are out there. My CFO constantly reminds me that nonprofit better not mean we're for loss. Uh, but ultimately, uh, what we need to do is generate margins so that we can invest them back into our missions. And we uh, need to do that critically. And, and what I ask our own folks is, how are we going to know, say in five years' time, whether this merger was successful? And we'll measure 101 different things. We'll measure all of the things that every business, every healthcare organization measures, whether it's the financial metrics, whether it's you know, length of stay, whether it's a host of efficiency metrics and other things. But those are not the things uh, that will ultimately determine whether we are successful in it. What I believe is that in five-year time, we will know that we have been successful if our patients tell us that we have made a difference in their lives. And I, I think that that's uh, something that is measurable and concrete and will really shift the bar and will help us focus on the things that are most important. And, and I try to make sure that we, we think about that with every decision that we make, with every piece of new software that we evaluate about whether we're gonna bring in or not. Ultimately, is this gonna make a difference in people's lives and are they gonna feel that? And if we believe the answer is yes, then we'll move forward on it. And if no, we really should ask why we're doing it. And then when you think about flow of revenue, I was with the health system leader uh, leadership team two weeks ago and they said they're projecting in five years, 80% of their revenue will be true outpatient or true ambulatory. And so how do you think about that given your footprint and what you may need to be investing in or what you may need to be partnering in in sub parts of your market to sort of think about the way the flow of care is actually working and actually ties right back to Matt's point about where a lot of the investing dollars are going now in terms of alternative sites. Yeah, there's no question that uh, we're seeing this massive shift of care from inpatient to outpatient. I already have a fair number of hospitals within our system that are already at the 80-20. 80% of their revenue uh, is from outpatient and 20% uh, from inpatient. And then I have other places, large academic medical center or teaching hospital, where it's closer to 50-50. But that shift has already occurred in a fair amount of the market and is accelerating. So we're getting prepared for that. We're thinking a lot about uh, uh, how care is going to change. It's not, though, just a question of inpatient versus outpatient, because I think that's a relatively simplistic uh, uh, dichotomy between two different types of care. When you talk about out outpatient, there's a lot of different ways that you can provide care. The story that I always tell our own folks is I always remind people of Kodak. And, uh, you know, I, I told my own kids this story, and they asked me uh, who Kodak was, which is sort of the point of the story. Um, but, you know, when, when Sony came out with the digital camera and, 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 uh, and Kodak did their analysis, and they, they you know, asked themselves whether uh, Sony was making film or chemicals that, that Kodak was making all of its money off of, the answer was obviously no, and they, they came to the conclusion it wasn't a threat for them. Uh, and, and what they missed was they didn't really understand the business they were in. They thought they were in the film or chemicals business, but they were in the images business. Turns out images can be made in lots of different ways. It's really true for healthcare. I think the truth is you, if you were to ask most hospital leaders, healthcare system leaders, they would, what business we're in, people would give you if, you, if they were to really be honest, they would tell you we're in the heads and beds business and, and use different words for that. And that's a mistake. 
you know, we're in the healthcare business. Turns out healthcare can be provided in lots of different ways in lots of different places. So that, that's sometimes going to be in a hospital, but that's frequently going to be in a less expensive hospital in the community or in an ambulatory site or in a physician's office or in a patient's home. And, you know, as somebody who runs a hospital, a bunch of fixed assets with lots of people, I may not like that, but that doesn't even really matter. What matters is this is changing, and the sooner that we all understand that and uh, move towards providing health care wherever it can be provided, as far as I'm concerned, the better for all of us, certainly the better for patients. So, so to push on that a little bit, and I was, I was telling you earlier this morning that I had a discussion last week with Rod Hockman, the president CEO of Providence, uh, on this point, which was we have a crude analogy at LRV Health working with our systems to talk about what the next generation health system looks like to where you were going. And we talk about this idea of being a general contractor. What, and now it's totally crude, but if you think about sort of the next path on this and the different way, which was we're becoming a healthcare services company. And this idea that you're going to ultimately own the brand, you're ultimately going to have a frictionless experience with your end consumer, to your point about measurement, but you may end up becoming more like a general contractor of proliferation sorry, it's popping up, proliferation of care sites as well as proliferation of partners. So if you think about what CVS is doing, if you think about what Walgreens is doing on the partnership front, Walmart, et cetera, how do you think about that back to the strategy side of who you partner with in market and who you don't? And then how does that compare and contrast to what happens with, say, partners? So what if partners, not saying they're going to do this, but what if they go and contract with CVS in this market and lock up a portion of this market? Um, I'm not sure CVS would do that, but curious just your point of view on how you think about those moving parts. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, first of all, I agree with a lot of that. I think that um, we're going to be providing healthcare services in lots of different ways, as I said, in lots of different places, not just the traditional ways. I would say we are going to be providing a fair amount of that care, and we don't have to be responsible for everything. I'm not sure I would call us a general contractor, though. In other words, to me, that would suggest uh, we'll be a, a sort of a, a corporate name and then for, farm everything out to others. And I think um, I would suggest that, that that, at least in this market, would not be tremendously successful. Um, we certainly look for uh, areas where it makes sense to partner, but we always ask ourselves on that sort of buy versus build uh, uh, piece, why is it that we shouldn't be doing this ourselves before we decide to do it with others? Um, and uh, there are lots of cases where I believe we especially now that we're larger and uh, have both more resources and more experience, where it makes sense for us to do those things ourselves. And then there are other cases where it absolutely doesn't, and then, and then we partner. But there's no one-size-fits-all to it, and we certainly don't look uh, to, to contract it all out. Yeah, good point. And so switching subject a little bit to the subject of innovation, um, again, some more research, and I told you I was going to give you this one this morning which is you were quoted um, not too long ago with this idea of saying that a lot of the IT solutions that you see out there are really solutions looking for problems. And so I'm curious, we have a few investors in the room, so they might want to hear some of this. Um, I'm curious sort of elaborate on that point. Yeah, I think, you know, it partially may be because my own background is healthcare IT, uh, in addition to being a physician now running a healthcare system. I get pitched stuff if not on a daily basis, I'd say on a weekly basis, by all sorts of different companies and investors and other stuff. And I'm 
uh, frequently happy to take a look at something, although I've got less time of late. Um, and um, I'd say 99% of the time, uh, what, what the stuff that I see is exactly uh, what I described previously, which is a solution looking for a problem. Meaning uh, that um, people are coming up with small niche solutions to a very small problem that I may or may not have. And they even uh, may have data, outcomes data or other things to back up why it's effective. And then they scratch their heads why I'm not interested. And the answer to that question is uh, all of us as healthcare leaders run big, complex ecosystems. And to solve a small issue and leave in place 10 or 100 other bottlenecks doesn't really do it for us. Um, and what we're looking for are things that will truly make a difference within our system. And if I had to boil that down more, I would suggest what we're looking for are things that will enable us to behave as a cohesive, coherent system of care. And I would suggest to you that as this wave of mergers and, and, and consolidation occurs around the country, a lot of people are going to be interested in this, uh, in this idea. And there are lots of different ways and lots of different things that we need in order to appear to the patient uh, as a single cohesive system of care. So there are lots of different categories there. But unless you're thinking about those sorts of things, I'm less interested in uh, looking at a solution. So it could be everything from uh, something that enables an access center, so you've got a single point of contact, to something that will allow us to distribute uniform content uh, across a system, to uh, ways to integrate disparate EHRs, a whole host of things like that. I'm not, I'm not referring to a single category, but what I'm suggesting is unless you are helping us come together as a system and behave as a system, I'm going to be less interested in small niche solutions. And most of what I'm seeing out there are sort of small niche solutions. If you go on the bigger side and get into the recent news with, say, Google and Ascension, you know, how do you think about that? And more importantly, where the risk of innovation goes, given some of the sensitivities of data. So obviously those large tech that are emerging into this late and some of the retailers, they have an enterprise viewpoint and they have the capital behind it and all the different things that come with it. I'm curious how you think about potentially partnering with players like that or not partnering with players like that from given some of the sensitivities? Well, you know, uh, uh, those, the large players, Google and the other large players are all talking to us. And I'd say uh, we're interested in partnering with them. And uh, we need to be uh, careful uh, that we don't sort of get out ahead of ourselves in the way uh, that we're sort of seeing play out in the news, for instance, uh, with Ascension. But what I would hope... Uh, we don't see is sort of a stifling of innovation uh, because of those sorts of things. We've got to figure out a way. First of all, providers have got to, got to figure out a way to work well uh, with industry in ways that are uh, safe and protect privacy and other things. But we can't simply shut our doors and suggest that, uh, you know, uh, for HIPAA reasons or other things, we're not going to innovate. That would be a disaster. So maybe last question, and then we can open it up for a couple of questions uh, to finish it up. Um, where does this all end up in 10 years? So if you crystal ball, looking out, thinking about your position, thinking about your place in the market, but just thinking about sort of the national market as well, what does this market look like in 10 years? I, I mean, I, I, I hope, I believe that what we're going to see 
um, are a select number of systems of care uh, that to patients appear seamless, ultimately. And, you know, I, I start, you started by asking me sort of my own background, and I mentioned that I uh, had moved to Israel and trained and practiced there before I came back to this country, and I'm frequently asked what the biggest difference is between healthcare, say, in Europe, and the healthcare in Israel is very similar to in much of Europe, and healthcare in the United States. And I would tell you that the single biggest difference between, say, healthcare in Europe and healthcare in the United States is there is no system of care in this country. There's no uh, a single uniform approach to healthcare. It's a bunch, it's sort of a cottage industry with a bunch of silos that don't talk to each other, and that's unique to this country. And that, uh, uh, I think, therefore, causes a fair number of issues that, that as patients, uh, people have to deal with. And we need to figure out how to provide that system of care so people don't fall between the cracks. And any of you who've ever tried to access the healthcare system uh, or have a relatives who've tried to access the healthcare system are aware of a couple of things. You're aware of pockets of brilliance, really great care when you happen to fall on a great physician or a great hospital, but you're aware of how difficult it is to navigate through that system. And think about navigating through a system at a time when you were at your most vulnerable, when you're, the, when you're sick, when it's really hard. And um, that's something that I would like to see changed in this country. So that was gonna be my last question, but you, you, you made me think a little. So is Medicare for all the answer? Yeah, I'm not gonna uh, get into the politics. Uh, here's what I would say on that. Um, I, I'm gonna speak uh, personally, uh, not, not representing Beth Israel Health. I personally strongly believe that universal access is incredibly, incredibly important. That every person that lives in this country should have access to good health care. And that, that should, we should think of that as a fundamental human right. Universal access to health care. I also believe, though, that there are lots of different ways to skin that cat. And there are lots of different ways to get at universal access. And, and Medicare for All is one way to get at it, but it's not the only way, and I, I don't want to get into which is the better way and which isn't. I'm not sure anybody could even tell you categorically which way is better or not. What I'd like to see is for us all to come to some level of agreement about the fact that it is important to provide health care to every single person who, who lives in this country, and then we can get into the conversation of, okay, given all of the exigencies, given all of the things that we know in this country, what's the best way and fastest way that we're going to get at that solution? Great. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you, and this is a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks.